0: On the podcast today we're going to speak about if the world is an illusion and if so how is the world an illusion and so to talk about that we have to talk about the sanskrit word maya and a lot of people think about maya as illusion because that's how it was translated when the british came across or the europe and europeans came across a lot of hindu knowledge and so we, people mistakenly think maya means illusion but this does sort of tent this does lean into a little bit why we think the world would be illusion or you know similar to like the matrix in in the film Mm -hmm. the matrix and so forth and so on but we have to really unpack this word right we have to really understand what maya means also in relation to shiva as well like and in relation to brahman and so uh, a lot of people think maya means illusion and as people who have read my books would know that i always say that it means actually the measurement of reality because it comes from the sanskrit root motor which means uh measurement and so that's like uh the the crux of like what meter matrix um those sorts of words Yeah, matter Matter. mother yes yes Mm. so anything that can uh is is a form of measurement right Mm. so and that's uh, yeah the crux of those words so <clears throat> so we have the measurement of reality so what we're talking about here is construction right so a constructed reality that we construct right so a lot of people think mistakenly believe and this has happened through a lot of people who have come across especially like quantum physics mm-hmm. and 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 sciences like that they uh, misinterpret maya in relation to like subatomic particles and like the illusion like the so-called illusion of reality
1: i think that sort of interpretation of maya gives people more of a confused idea of what maya is because like maya is an illusion so that this is kind of a dream state this is not real but it's there because you're projecting your own illusion outside so that is maya so all this doesn't really exist, but you think this is, exists. It's so like it's vague and very mm. confusing mm. for people to take it that way. I think,
0: and that's not the right interpretation, right? No. Like not from the Hindu perspective. No. It's not what what we're talking about. No. Like what the Upanishads and and the Vedas were talking about. They're not talking about. Uh, I mean, atoms and that were spoke about in those ancient texts, but they're not speaking about the, the uh, quantum mechanics here. And the way that a lot of people think about quantum mechanics, and even if you look at like Sean Carroll's work, for example, like he would say that that kind of idea that the the reality is an illusion is kind of a bit New Age and woo woo, and he's a full-hectic uh, quantum physicist, and so you know that's a whole other thing. We don't really dive into that. We're talking about Maya here, and from the the Eastern perspective of why so-called the reality is an illusion. So. Uh, Maya itself is, again, it's a, it's a measuring scale. It's how you measure reality. So it's a constructed reality for the individual. So each individual has their own constructed reality.
1: Yeah, so it's Maya, as in, like you just said, a measuring, measurement of reality. But measurement of reality by what, based on what kind of idea? So that's usually to be like social norms and by individual perception of reality mm. so that it's not a truthful sense of what reality really is. So the measurement based on a cultural norm and individual perception is to project it out, that, and that constructs the world, mm. constructs the outside world, which
0: according to the subjective person yeah
1: so that what cultural norms and uh, individual perception of reality is permanent no it always changes Mm -hmm. right so that the maya construction of reality also will change according to that change right Mm -hmm. so that it's not uh, absolute reality yeah
0: it's a subjective experience it's a constructed reality inside your mind and so it's a way of you seeing the world it's in Taoism, uh, Zhuangzi talks about Qing, as i've spoke about many times on the podcast which which is the the human flaw but it's our species specific essence of dissecting between this and that and we create a reality based on this and that and that's according to our own sense of world, our own world yeah. our own inner world where we often put ourselves as the main character in our own world And we create the world based around ourselves. And that's definitely not how the world is. So what we have, and and a few other terms we need to understand, is we have Prakriti, right? So Prakriti is nature. And nature being all of the mind, energy, and the physical forms of the, the universe that has its own agenda. And then when you have Purusha, Purusha being the pure awareness which, you know, in yogic philosophy, and Samkhya sort of sits out, it, it is, is somewhat separate from Prakriti. And Purusha can be related to Atman, the undifferentiated consciousness within us. And so the thing is here, right, uh, which, tends in, which leads into Maya, is Prakriti creates humans, right? We are all the, the, the sons and daughters of Prakriti, of nature. So this resident, this is, uh, has relationships obviously to Taoism as well. So where we are the sons and daughters of Prakriti of nature, and there's like the cards that you've been dealt in life and this and that, that's just the way, that's the way nature is. It's just the way it is. Um, where we have this other thing, which is called Brahmanda and Brahmanda is culture. So, so think of Brahmanda, Brahmanda is a Sanskrit term. Brahmanda means like culture, socialization. So, uh, Think of Confucius with his social uh, his mm. socialization model. It's this socialization. And so, you know, so Prakriti creates uh, us, we create Brahmananda. Right. So we create culture, and so then we create this constructed reality, mm. which in some sense is out of accord with nature. Mm-hmm. And as a result of creating brahmananda, you create the ego. So you create a sense of con- Control over your reality, Mm. but your reality is is in here, and Procrity could care less about your self-image. So you see, you've created this world which is just about your own self-image, and you're the main character Mm. with a certain sense of uniqueness and specialness. But Procrity could care less. And this is like you know, you know, when someone dies tragically and this and that, everyone goes, "How could you know?" God do this and this and that. It's like prakriti don't care. Mm. This is nature.
1: It's uh, prakriti is uh, like manifestation of purusha, mm. and to follow what you just said is like so. The prakriti is manifestation of the purusha, the absolute reality, mm. and us being a like a, a, the. The outcome of that is a manifestation of Prakriti mm-hmm. and the the belief and uh, social norms and these ideas that we create is that is a manifestation of our um, uh, personal agenda, right? Mm-hmm. And that creates the ego. Mm-hmm. It comes back to individual. So mm-hmm. just pure manifested realm. Mm-hmm. That's all that is. That's
0: all there that is. Isn't? Really. Mm-hmm. See the sage, the sage, and the, the the gurus, the great gurus, and that they understand that everyone has their own Brahmananda. Brahmanda, sorry, not Brahmananda, Brahmanda. They all have their own Brahmanda, and so you have your own Brahmanda. I have my own Brahmanda. Everyone listening and watching has their own Brahmanda. It's their own. Uh, we may have similar worldviews, but they're not exactly the same. We don't mm-hmm. see the world exactly the same. We can enlighten each other, and so forth and so on, but. The difference is, is the sage understands that everyone has their own Brahmananda. And this is what Darshan is, right? Darshan is, when people hear Darshan, they think of blessing and this and that. But what it means is the master, Darshan means to look, right? But it means to look inside and see the truth, the Atman. So the reason why the guru or the master just looks at you and, and peers into your soul is because they're, they're looking through your Brahmananda. And it's an act of compassion and empathy. That they understand that you suffer from Brahmanda. Mm. You have you have your own Maya, your own constructed reality in your head, which is eclipsing the actual real reality, which is which is Atman or Purusha, deepest inside you. So the, the the Guru is looking, staring into your Atman.
1: Yeah, right. So that the reason why we can't see that ultimate reality is because of the Brahmanda yeah. that we possess, and that kind of obstructs the clear view to. Purusha, exactly, mm.
0: exactly, and our, and and our whole path here is to come back to our senses, so to speak, and realise Purusha or Atman or however you want to uh, term it, and that's <clears throat> that's again where Shiva comes in, right? So Shiva, in this sense, is because uh, if you look at the especially the symbology of Shiva, he, he's an ascetic who's beyond Brahmanda, mm. right? So he's beyond culture. He is. Uh, he would say that culture is, is a sort of a delusion. pramanda is a delusion. And that's why when you look at the, if a lot of people aren't familiar with the story, but if you aren't familiar with the story of Shiva and Parvati, I'd say go and watch, more. I have a video on the story of Shiva and Parvati. But the Parvati is trying to domesticate Shiva in the story, right? Trying to bring him into the world and engage in the world where Shiva is like, Shanti, I don't want to be part of all this, all this rubbish. Like, and Daksha, her, sorry, this is Sita first, right? And so Daksha, her father, is like, he is a symbol of Brahmanda. And so trying to make this ascetic, you know, cultural and, you know, turn him into something that he's not. And so to warp his nature, essentially, uh, which is lends into Taoism, right? Because like, your, your nature was already, you already have Purusha and Atman. You don't cultivate Purusha or Atman. It has to be realized, This is why Shiva is languaged or or termed master of the animals because he's the master of animal instincts. So what you have here is you have this Shiva comes in and that process of Shiva within all of us, we can master our animal nature to get back to our human nature, which is Purusha and Atman. But because of evolution, we have... We we all have this animal past because we are an animal, right? We are Pashu. And so we have to, you know, uh, break through all of those animal instincts to become, you know, one with Shiva, so to speak, you know. so.
1: Yeah, Shiva often to be translated as like, what, well, the destroyer?
0: The destroyer. Like yeah, a yes. fire,
1: destroyer, mm. a god of, uh, I don't know, destroying things. Destruction. Or, <laughs> destruction, that's right, <laughs> yes. Yeah. But in this sense, again, like in an Avadut book, Seven Secrets of Shiva, mm. states that that like Shiva is in proper translation should be deconstruct, mm. right? Yes. Like what you just said. So you, the the process that you're going through to um, reach the the Atman state of being is to deconstruct your construct,
0: constructed reality,
1: constructed reality, so that. Meaning they're undoing everything. So, undoing Brahmanda, we look at Brahmanda, mm. what, what consists of Brahmanda in each individual, right? Mm. So, deconstruct every little thing to trace back mm. and to go back to the ultimate uh, reality, yes. ultimate self. Mm. So, it, it, destroyer has uh, such kind of a bit of a negative um, feel to the word, mm. but. Uh, that yeah that may not be the proper uh, interpretation and so that deconstruct somewhat, yeah dis- not really destroying your ego or anything like that, but deconstructing your ego
0: yeah yeah well, it, it can mean uh, destruction in the sense of your ego, but mm. the problem is is that in, in total like what you said, it should be uh, language Shiva should be uh, language as the deconstructor or the, or just deconstruction. Mm. And again, this comes back to when Europeans went to India, and they when they first came across a lot of the texts, they thought that Indians were like a very uh, negative culture, like they they weren't life affirming. Because like when you look at if you have, don't have a schooled uh, mind in Hindu philosophy, then you will look at Shiva with your Christian perception and think that this is like some sort of demonic religion and how many times have i had emails from people saying you shouldn't talk about hinduism on your channel because that's the that's uh for devils stick to taoism and, and but these com- these are christian people they, they have no idea about like the transcended peaceful value of hinduism and vedanta and these things and Shaivism especially they think that Shaivism is is fearful and, and you know all this sort of nonsense anyway that's that I digress. That's, that's a side, that's side note. You know what I mean? But again, this is the big, one of the big problems, right? When Europeans went there and they translated Maya as illusion, they translated Shiva as the destroyer, then you're coming from a one-life philosophy. They come from the one-life philosophy of Christianity. And that doesn't work. You have to put Hindu philosophy in Hindu context, and that's what people don't do. They don't put So when when you put these philosophies in Hindu context, what do you have to do? You have to come from a many lives theory mentality. You can't come from a one life theory, because one life theory is, an Euro- is a European idea. It's not an Indian idea.
1: And I think they have this uh, strong impression of uh, uh, Hindu philosophy. In fact, that Hindu philosopher somewhat says this: the Maya or uh, this manifested life itself is uh, very uh, somewhat like a negative mm.
2: thing. It's mm. not,
1: not, not divine or not a sacred kind of mm. thing. So that they look at, yeah, from their uh, framework mm. of mind, and look at that interpretation of Hindu philosophy, mm-hmm. oh, well, that's inevi- it's inevitable that come up with a wrong interpretation
0: well, they, exactly, like illusion itself is sort of a negative word, right? Like, so if you say illusion, again, if they're reading the text and they're translating Maya as illusion, they're thinking that, oh, I mean these Hindus are crazy. They, they are not life-affirming. They just think that this is all just a play. And it is a play to a certain degree, but you're looking at it again through a Christian lens and a Christian context. It doesn't work, right? That would be like Hindus going over and translating the Bible in a Hindu, like... Imagine how sacrilege that would be to Europeans, or to Christians in general, in North America as well, in Australia and wherever, if you were translating the Bible in, from
1: a... From their perspective, yeah, that would be quite a different <laughs> It, it story. might enlighten them, who knows. Right, true. But
0: the, it, it's like when they looked at terms such as Brahman, they thought Brahman meant God. And their context, and Brahman don't mean God. God, as in like personal again, God.
1: The, yeah, the monotheistic idea.
0: Monotheistic idea of God, so a personal, a Lord, right? And so, doesn't Lord. work. You could translate maybe God to Ishvara in Sanskrit because Ishvara is kind of like a personal level God, where you can you know pray and worship to numerous deities in Hinduism, but it's not Brahman. Don't get yourself confused here the christian god or the muslim god is just is again at the personal god level in hinduism it doesn't mean it i'm not saying that hinduism is better than any of those traditions but that's how the philosophy is and so brahman being the sort of the absolute ultimate reality doesn't it's like the dal loves and nourishes all but doesn't lord it over them right so it's not a lord and this is what gets a lot of people especially scholars in south asia especially and in Southeast Asia, their backs up a little bit because people start using terms like Lord and things like that, which are very British words, right?
1: Very, yeah.
0: Like you hear someone say, Lord Buddha, and you're like, Lord Buddha? Buddha's Buddha. Buddha is a title in and of itself. Why are you superimposing Lord on? What is he, some, you know, is he some you know, rich gentleman in the U.K.? In the UK? Doesn't make any sense, you know.
1: Again, that's kind of your European mentality, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
0: but it's kind of infected South Asia and that too, right? Like, because you you will hear, like for example, we have Sri Lankan friends, and they will say Lord Buddha, and I always think, what do you say, Lord Buddha? Like, Buddha itself is is the title, is the recognition of the the enlightened one. That's what Buddha means, the one who who has awakened. Why are you putting Lord on top? Because Lord means that. Which lords over everything else, That's right. and Buddha is not lording it over anything else. Mm-hmm. He wants you just to awaken, to become enlightened. Yeah. Same with Lord Shiva, right? Lord Shiva is indifferent to the world. You shouldn't use Lord for Shiva. Shiva itself means not not this, right? Mm-hmm. So it it's indifferent to the world. It's it's that Brahman mm-hmm. state. Shiva's not there lording it over people. You don't pray to Shiva like we mentioned in. The Pilgrimage Podcast. You don't pray to Shiva to get things. You pray to Shiva to allow the process of Shiva to just play yeah. out, and you you're cool with whatever's going to happen.
1: It's again like uh, Eastern philosophy mixing with the modern days of hierarchical psychology, mm. isn't it? Mm. Like that's why, oh um, Buddha or Shiva, those um, uh, beings, the existence of these uh, beings are you feel that they are, like, above you, like, mm. somewhat, but in a more, more like, humble style, mm-hmm. yeah. But they take it as in, like, a more hierarchical idea because that's all we could come up with, probably. Mm-hmm. That's why, the yeah. I mean, they would say, in a sense, they're the respectful sense, but that very psychology itself is not quite um, matching the, the traditional sense of... Uh, yeah, there's philosophy. It's
0: foreign to it, actually. It's like when we take people to Bodhgaya, right? And when people go to Gaya, they become very humbled by the experience there. And they realize that, you know, they may have heard about Bodhgaya from the outside, but once you're there, it's not that you're worshipping the Buddha as like some being, like you said, above you. It's just tremendous respect and gratitude that a being like that existed 2,500 years ago. You know, like there's just immense gratitude and... Appreciation that someone has put them on a the path of peace, you know, so it's more respect and hu- humility to that being, it's not so much about you know, like worshipping like uh, a god or a lord. Yeah. And
1: yeah, it's not quite like that. I think that's why, again, a lot of um, western minded people mis- misinterpret the eastern traditional philosophy, yeah.
0: And again, it goes deep, right? And it goes back, like I said, back to. The, the 18th century when these texts were starting to get translated. And and then we have these illusions of, you know, Maya's illusion, Shiva, the destroyer. And look, Shiva, We, if we look at it, like I said, Shiva from the perspective of the ego, it does destroy the ego, but it's Shiva itself is deconstructing a constructed reality that you've created. So,
1: yeah, so that it allows you to look through your Brahmanda and tracking back to your source of existence. Yes. And it eventually guide you to the ultimate blissful state.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So you have to essentially go beyond the senses, right? Like that's what Shiva is and the, the master of uh, uh, animal instinct. And so uh, as a spiritual seeker, you're looking for what they would call tapas or you know, tapa which means like, you know, intense spiritual cultivation. Heat, it can mean heat. So the, the heat produced from spiritual cultivation. Mm-hmm. And this is the process of Shiva, right? To to break down that constructed reality, that Maya you have so you realize that, you know, um, that you are that you are fundamentally Atman, you know. So the the Pashu, the animal, becomes a human, or becomes divine, so to speak. You know, so we essentially create Maya out of fear, fear of death. Right. This is one of the things that we need to understand. We create Maya out of the fear of death. We, cremate, we create, recreate, Brahmanda out of the fear of death, and that's because the one thing that the def- that makes us different to other animals, right, is imagination. Right. We can imagine. We can imagine. We can imagine a reality beyond the senses. Right? So this is, what's the reality beyond the senses? The reality beyond the senses is Shiva, right? So uh, a dog can't, well, as far as we know, doesn't imagine a reality beyond its reality as a dog. So the difference with a dog is that because a dog doesn't have an imagination, it doesn't create a constructed reality. And this is the pitfalls of being a human, right? So we, we, we have the ability to imagine things, which and imagination is a beautiful thing, but we begin to imagine, but our imagination... Uh, can have a negative impact on us because we create this constructed reality. This bra- We create a brahmanda, like we create a culture and a socialization, and we create this sense of aham, the ego, right? That that we think we are the center of our own, of the universe, of our own play.
1: So we imagine um, something beyond our senses, or something beyond in this uh, reality mm. and from that imagination we get some sort of conclusion or some sort of like personal outcome of that and you take on board and you project project outwardly
2: mm.
1: from your own imagination
2: mm.
1: and that builds your own idea own agenda mm. of the world
0: mm. right yeah yeah Yeah, exactly. So imagination, it can be a good thing, it can be a negative thing, right? So you're creating that. So so for example, imagination does give us the ability to contemplate that there is a reality beyond the senses, right? Call it Shiva, call it whatever you will, beyond this life. It gives us a chance to think about that. But like we create the constructed reality out of fear of death, right? But we can use that to become liberated from the fear of death. So if we look at imagination, so you know, if if we wanna go deeper into it, like everything that we think of, like God, immortality, these are all products of imagination, deep down, right? So when you uh, understand that and you are not possessed by a constructed reality, because you've got out of Maya, you've got out of fear, because Maya was created as a result to the fear of death, then you are no longer possessed by the fear of death so you are essentially liberated mm. from death you see so that's where this liberation model in some sense especially in shaivism comes from is that you were we we are all in some sense uh, op- functioning in our life because we fear the inevitable right we fear death we have this existential angst right because in reality we're just part of property in reality, we're just part of. We're just like any other animal. We are going to die, but we create Brumunda. We, we have this Maya constructed reality because that keeps us safe. Creating the ego keeps us somehow safe from the fear of death. It doesn't, as you know, because that and that's why people suffer in the end because they are so attached to their constructed reality. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you understand that in some sense your imagination created all of this stuff that you think about yourself and this and that this self-image then you'll begin to be free from this fear of death and be liberated right so like when death does come you'll be shanti like I'm ready for whatever whatever you know whatever whatever the universe holds for me you know so
1: yeah again fear uh, the death is like the biggest fear in humanity Mm. and um that clinging to life, isn't Mm. it? Like once we are born and we um, learn things, we become part of the society, then you slowly develop this uh, strong desire to exist, Mm. right? You Mm. don't want to put an end to this, right? And again, that itself is an interpretation of Maya as well, Mm. that you Mm. have strong attachment to life Mm. and your own existence that you want to prolong as long as possible. As long as possible, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: It goes deep because if you look at Brahmanda, right, Brahmanda is, has, has like three, three parts. It's called called the Tripura and the Tripura, the three things that we create about ourselves is the me, the mine, and the not mine, you see? The me is the aham, right, is the ego, is this and that. The mine is property so you know we have this sense of property mm-hmm. right and we are possessed by property no other animal has mine animals only have me mm-hmm. so body and mind so being me right dog knows that this is me mm-hmm. but dog doesn't mm-hmm. know that 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 over there's
2: you know yeah, i mean they have an association
0: others. to the master and so forth and so mm-hmm. on but it's not so heightened as well, you know we have mortgages and
1: yeah, and, not in a, the possession sense. Not in the possession sense, yeah,
0: yeah. and so you have property, and then you have not mine, which is all other things that are not yours. So we have this tripura, right? We have this this. That's the three parts that make up this brahmanda, which keeps the culture and society rolling forward. Mm-hmm. But this is an instrumental part of of uh, Maya, and actually, for those who don't know, tripura. When we see the three marks of Shiva, you know, when people put the three marks on the thing, that's what it's alluding to. The mm. me, mine, not mine.
1: And just to be liberated from, from that, that three, from that, those yeah. three. Because you're, you're neither. Mm.
0: You're none, I mean, you're none, none of none those. Of those. Yeah. Not fundamentally. Mm. They're all part of imagination. Mm. The you is part of imagination, right? You've created this self-image about yourself. Mm. The property is part of your imagination. I own all this and it's like, well... <laughs> i don't know like i mean because i could you could die tomorrow what's going to happen to your property it's it's i know we have all these fancy certificates and whatnot
1: it, it's all ideas isn't it it's like all- it's just an idea again that is selfie that itself is my it's idea, it's, my idea.
0: idea. It's, it's not real
1: like not real, yeah. we want to say it's mine mm. like we want to and also we want to expand that uh horizon of mind right property <laughs> yeah, we yeah, want yeah. to have more we yeah. want to accumulate yeah. and more you have is like I don't know like the higher that your social status become or whatever yeah. but again that itself is is Maya is like it? yeah. it's,
0: it's it's interesting it is interesting yeah. like you said there like you, it's almost like you're trying to make yourself bigger than what you actually are if I own all these things that will be me right and then I'll have a lot of influence over the world and this is the difference, right? Because ego is about trying to control the reality, control your constructed reality, where Shiva deconstructs your reality, and in doing so destroys the ego, takes all property away, takes even you away. The not mine's not even not even something to even worry about because it wasn't yours in the first place, you know. Yeah. Even though that people get possessed with a lot of the not mine, right? They get possessed by that one. Like, why does he or she have that oh, I want that to you know like these things possess people right yep. like it's just that constructed reality and so Shiva knocks all that Maya construction down that Brahmanda down like the Tripura
1: and I think another reason why we all fear death so much is because uh, when you think of death like you don't exist anymore hmm. You don't. Yeah, you no longer exist in this world, right? Mm. So that you be you yourself become kind of meaningless, you, you, mm. and no longer valid, like the invalidation. You have to accept that, mm. right? Mm. And that acceptance is so difficult for anyone. Yes. And we all have, um, again, that's a survival instinctual psychology that we all have a strong desire to be meaningful and. We want to become valuable individuals, right? But that will all be taken away. But again, the funny thing is, no matter you want it or you don't want it, it will be taken away from you, no matter what, what yeah. you want to think about yeah. the reality. Yeah. The truth is, we're all going to die. Yeah. Like, and Earth may not um, exist forever, yeah. And it will go through its own um, cycle, mm-hmm. right? But the the acceptance of the meaninglessness and invalidation of your own self itself is so like hard to comprehend, isn't it? Like You can't imagine the world without your own existence. Why? Because we're projecting f- in, from inside out, mm-hmm. from our su- subjective point of view, yes. and that's how the world um, looks like, but... It's not there anymore.
0: No. It's this localization of consciousness, a subjective viewpoint that can't imagine itself. No. Not part of the world. But there's been billions of people before us who have who are all gone. And we're going to all go too. And it's re- it would be like, you know, like when people have like property disputes and this and that, it'd be like you going to court, having a dispute with the universe saying, this is going to have to stay here. Mm. This is the. This is what's going to have to happen. Like this has to stay. This subjective viewpoint. This Maya has to stay forever.
1: So when you say it like <laughs>
0: that, it's pretty ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Eh?
1: I mean, so the, I mean, a lot of lawyers will be out of business. Yeah, they'll be out of business. But because yeah. that's the real fact of the matter. Yeah. It's. It's. It sounds so ridiculous.
0: The universe is just doing the Zhuangzi face palm. Like, <laughs> is this guy for real? Like, <laughs> his body is getting older. His joints are wearing out he's losing his faculties, you're going to have to accept it.
1: Exactly. I mean, like, why you spend so much time and energy on to claim your own right to possess something yeah. and court case and this and that, something. the amount of stress that you go through and this and that. You, Well, you, just can, you, can just, you can just cleanly, easily walk away and wash it all away and just you can just enjoy your life, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Right yeah but again it's a (laughs) it's not a lot of people um can easily walk away from their own possession like you said mine what's mine yeah exactly
0: Mm. Mm. yeah the me mine not mine they people are it's that's what they speak about in Shaivism is that it possesses you you know what i mean like obviously we all know the me the ego can possess us strongly because we constantly overthink about ourselves we analyze our own life too much and you know, And then our whole worldview is completely warped. And then property, I mean, mine, like and not just property, like knowledge also and all of these things that we accumulate, which we we associate with being ours, is also an illusion as well. And the not-mine can possess us because we want what other people want and we want things that we don't have, mm-hmm. which is kind of ridiculous because you'll never really have it mm-hmm. and you'll never really possess anyone else. And you you may think that you're influencing the world, but... You're, you know, you're just doing a certain little thing for a certain little period of time, you know, because the reality is you're just procrity, right? The reality is you're, I mean, deep down we can say we're Prakriti, right? But but in reality, as human beings, we are procrity, And so that's a humbling effect. That's like in Taoism when they say that, that you're no greater than an ant. You have to realize from a naturalistic point of view that you are not greater than other things. It's the imagination that we have that makes us think we're greater than other things right so we have this we have this highly developed cerebrum right in our brain and this extra large frontal lobe which makes us different from other animals that gives us imagination to think about things like uh, immortality and so forth and so on but it also gives us the ability to create a constructed reality like maya right because then we're using our imagination in some sense in the wrong way because we're looking at ourselves from our own personal self-image, and creating this this uh, Maya, creating this constructed reality where we are the main actor mm-hmm. or actress, you know. And it's like that's not the way it is. That business should be that movie should be out of business because that's like <laughs> I mean because there's been many of those movies before and they've all come and gone. They don't last the test of time.
1: So that. The terminology in the tripura mm. that you mentioned me mine and what's not mine
2: yeah.
1: That it's it's so simple terminology, but that kind of not everything down I think mm. it seems like again, you will develop some developed sense of I which is more so like ego like a persona self mm. and that creates what's mine and What if there is mine? And there's also naturally becomes there's what's not mine, and that uh, simultaneously creates limitation, mm. right, and separation from one another, and that it becomes a kind of core of problem, core of all this great Maya, right? Yeah, like, yeah. and that creates your prejudices against something or the social these social ideas and things like that, and that. Is to just contribute to create all the limitation and separation, which we all uh, have to deal with the beco- with becoming our uh, social problems.
0: Yes, yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. And yes. it's just about it's about trying to get through that Tripura, right? Yes. Trying to break through that, and you break. Obviously, you have to break through that through spiritual practice, but you have to realize that. You, your whole life is possessed by this form of Brahmanda, this form of this three split of me, mine, and not mine. And so, and a lot of people, the problem is with the way that the world is set up is that we're operating from the Tripura, right? Yeah. The whole society is fine. doesn't matter if you go to Australia, Korea, America, the UK, South Africa, wherever. Oh. It's all operating from Tripura. There's me, who... We, who apparently we we should really prop up, and then there's the mind which we should really all try to possess, and then there's the not mind which we should be wary of, and like, mm-hmm. you know, like, and so we've created this. It, it becomes a social reality, right? But it, again, like, it's no surprise that in Brahmanda, in culture, that those three parts are the essential parts of culture,
2: mm-hmm.
0: right? Where Shiva, being the complete opposite and the one who breaks down culture doesn't possess anything you know hence the story in shiva sivas is hanging out in in mount at mount kailash like shanti 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 doesn't want to he doesn't even go south to engage with daksha engage with culture until Mm. until sati comes along and Mm. then you have that whole marriage story and so forth and so on but his nature is completely untouched by this tripura hence the three the marks on the on the head, not touched by the Tripura, like, and so we've all, but we've all, because we've all been born, we're all Shiva, right? But we've all moved south into Ramanda, into culture, and we've engaged with the world, and then we've, uh, we uphold this Tripura, this is our worldview, it becomes your worldview, right? The Tripura is the worldview of Maya, right? That's the worldview of the, kind of like the framework of the constructed reality, even though the nuance of your constructed reality would be different to mine, you know, it's little subtle differences yeah, yeah. and little tweaks here and there, you know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah um, again, I was watching as you recommended me to listen to this um, Swami Sava Priyananda's talk on Maya. And, I found something really interesting that his um, interpretation or the, more so maybe the Hindu philosophical um, view on the Maya mm. is like to uh, give up the avidya Maya. avidya Maya being ignorance of Maya. So that Maya is there, yeah. right? Yeah. This constructed world, the manifested world is there, out there. But we we and also we exist in it, right? Mm-hmm. And this old persona and ego and possession and all these things, we know that it's more so destructive to our own spiritual growth, right? In this uh, Maya. Yeah. So to, just to ignore this manifested world is not really going to get you anywhere because we are in it already. Yeah. So it's to move into Vijayamaya, which is uh, acknowledging the Maya, so and you work with it. Mm. You work with this manifested world itself is kind of your own spiritual path mm. of liberation. Yes. So that is to say, Maya itself is not totally negative thing.
0: No. no.
1: Um, actually, negative or positive thing. But we we just, we like to just give a negative connotation to it. Mm. But to take it as a as a like a good um, use or mm. um, good, mm, give us a good opportunity to take on uh, the spiritual path of mm. liberation from the experience that we have in the Maya.
0: Mm. Yeah, like you said, it's not, neither negative or positive, but it usually tends towards a negative, right? Like, and again, like we've been talking about, Maya itself, the constructed reality in our mind, is only the result of our over enlarged brain. Yeah. That's why other animals don't have a Maya because they don't have like a, a largely developed cerebrum and they don't have a prefrontal a large frontal lobe with the prefrontal cortex is and this and that. but we do. Mm-hmm. So we can imagine mm-hmm. and then we can create a reality um, you know. And again, like Swami Cy is talking also about the manifest reality a little bit, being maya in that context but if you look at it through different other lenses like it's just prakriti out here it's, it's just prakriti it's 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 uh the the maya is the, the superimposition of your reality onto prakriti right so your imagination of what prakriti means to you yeah,
1: that is maya that is maya mm.
0: where it's just prakriti mm. you know what i mean it's mm. like it'd be like looking at a tree and trying to anal- like analyzing like what the tree's doing and this and that and it's like it's just tree man it's not you're you're analysing the tree, but the tree is just tree. It's the reality, the property, the nature is just it's just what it is.
1: You know, in Buddhism, in the, one of the core teachings of Buddhism, is to, to to be able to see as things are, mm. as they are, yeah. right. And what stops you to see the reality as they are mm. is your own mind, yes. right. Yeah. And to become free from your own mind is to uh, be able to see the reality as it is, right? Mm. And that's again like coincide with the, the world, the manifested world is just purely Prakriti. Mm. And comes to that understanding is a kind of coincide with that kind of teaching, isn't it?
0: It does, yeah. Mm. And the thing is that it's when you come back into your Purusha and into your Atman, your pure Awareness. You can, and you're not looking at Prakriti from the perspective of Maya. You've broken, you've deconstructed that reality. You see the beauty in the reality. It's like that scene in American Beauty where the young boy tells her he films the plastic bag. And it's a really profound moment in the film in American Beauty where what's, what seemingly is just a, an average film sequence of just this plastic bag floating around. It's, it's actually quite beautiful when you see it from a, a certain deeper level. Mm. When you see it through your own Maya, through your own ego, it's just like, well, this guy's lost his mind. He's like filming a plastic bag floating around and this and that. But you're not seeing the beauty in, in, the, in, the, in nature. Mm. right? And so one of the things, especially in yoga, they say that the purpose of Prakriti is to give birth to Purusha. Right? Nature intentionally created us, for us to come back into that pure state that can just witness the beauty of the world, you know, but but as you know, with Maya, we don't witness the beauty of the world because we create the artificial reality in our mind. We superimpose it onto nature. And then we think that nature is, is a certain way, you know, according to our own, uh, subjective viewpoint, but it's not.
1: Yeah. Um, uh, when it when we try to talk about the the contemporary period of time right now, mm. is to ever growing and thickening the Maya, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> because of yes. this uh, overflowing information, whether that's correct or incorrect, yeah. there's so much information out there, we don't know how to filter this through, and we just take on board if it sounds plausible, if it sounds right to you,
2: mm.
1: whether if that, even if that's you know not proven or anything yeah. like that. And we just take on board, and we develop our own belief system from mm-hmm. it. And mm-hmm. just Maya is too become become too grand that you not no, you no longer break out of it.
2: Mm.
1: And we create these like a really some some funny wacky ideas mm. into real uh, into nature, and we become handicapped to see the nature itself. And that handicap is becoming like a bit very severe. Mm. So that almost, for some individuals, there is no way back,
0: Mm. you know. They can't witness the beauty.
1: You can't, I mean, you can try, but almost like sometimes it feels like pointless even trying because it seems like there is no potential anymore.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Could you imagine if you you said to the saptarishis like who came up, who understood it, who brought this knowledge to humanity, back 3,000, 4,000 years, if you said to them, because they lived in a time they're talking about this, right? They're talking about Maya. Mm. Imagine you said, hey, man, we want you to come to our time. They'd just be like, oh, my God, what is going on? Like you said, like it's it's so thick. Mm. Like it's getting thicker because, like like you said, information overload. Mm. And another thing, and especially in the modern times, is this – identity politics you know what i mean like that this game that people are playing and eastern spirituality is completely against identity politics you're supposed to break down your uh your religious tendencies your uh nationalistic tendencies you you're not your race you're not you know you're not any of your sex you're not any of these things deep down you're not this is the fundamental core of uh, at when we break down the constructed reality of Maya in our mind But we're creating a reality because, like you said, we are living in a reality where Maya is on steroids. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah,
1: that's a good way to put it. Yeah, he's just like way fattened up, like just...
0: And do you see the result? So you're playing identity politics, and what happens? Conflict. Mm. Fear is intensified, right? So Maya itself is a result of the fear of death, but then you're intensifying this with having identity politics. And identity politics is just, like I said it's my on steroids and it's a supercharged ego right like it's like this is my this is my reality this is the tripura right this is my reality and this property is mine and property in this sense is their identity right they own this identity i am my religion my nation my race my gender that's that's their property yeah. but it's not when you break it down from where from the deeper reality and we need to go deep to break this hypnosis down that people are you know currently living in
1: yes it, so it seems like that maya becomes fattened up fear also getting fattened up too isn't it like <laughs> obese <laughs> the stronger the, your identity becomes and your own the world which is maya then also fear intensifies even more so that I mean, that only creates bigger conflict with one another, yeah. doesn't
0: it? Well, that's what the sages and all the great gurus are talking about, right? Like, that's why actually a lot of them are distant from culture and society. That's why the, the, the symbology of Shiva is distant from culture and society mm-hmm. because they understand that the, the, the Maya is just getting fatter and fatter and fatter and thicker and thicker and thicker as the generations move along. And so... You can either engage in that and try to find some sort of peace and solace within that, or you can dissociate from it altogether. It Doesn't mean you have to leave society, but you're dissociated from it. And all, and in most cases, you know, one of the best spiritual practices is, is via argue, so the, the sense of non-worldliness and non-reactiveness. And so, we, as anyone who's listening or watching, I'm, I'm assuming that you're, uh, you're a spiritual seeker or someone interested in meditation and, and understanding deeper knowledge, then. This is kind of where we have to sit, in some sense, in reaction to this fattening or this thickening of myer on steroids, right? Where we have to really get out of that because all your it doesn't matter what your stance is on a political matter or some sort of sociological issue. It's only contributing to the illusion or the the constructed reality of Maya within your brain, mm. which within your mind which then is going to obviously conflict with other mayas, other constructed realities. And then that can't... The only way we can ever come into unison with each other is when we start to deconstruct the maya, right? We're not acting out of the tripura. And then we can really see into each other's hearts and this and that. That's why people feel a power in darshan, like I mentioned earlier, because it's finally they've met someone who looks into who they truly are, right? So that when when people go and they meet a guru or a master of some sort and they just look at them purely, then they understand that, wow, that, like I've never had anyone look at me like that before, right? Because everyone's looking at me because they're looking at my Maya, they're looking at my constructed reality, Mm -hmm. where their guru has extreme compassion and empathy and just looks straight through them and goes, neti, 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 not this, not this. I can see... You truly are. You know what I mean.
1: Again, the funny thing is that uh, spiritual masters like that will know your true nature in split second, much better, much more clear than how you see yourself.
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. you're just seeing your your ego. You're seeing yeah. your constructed reality, and you think that's who you are.
1: You build your own. This identity and ideas of who you think you are in the society,
0: mm-hmm.
1: out of your own agenda and conditioning, but the guru comes and just looks straight through you, yep. and seeing pure your being, your pure being.
0: Yeah, that's why when people still go to ashrams or monasteries now, uh, where where you know, great masters or gurus have existed there's a feeling of that Darshan still there. The energy of the place is still there where, you know, we've been in many places and you feel like, I feel like that master's still looking at me and Mm -hmm. like going, not this, not this. Stop, stop pretending to be this person that you're Mm -hmm. not, you know what I mean? Like stop acting out of Maya. That's eclipsing the actual real reality. All is Brahman, but you're looking at it. You're just looking through this illusionary lens that you have. Like, rose-colored glasses, you know, and you're looking at reality and you think reality is a certain way.
1: It's ever growing this idea of building a strong identity is kind of a bit of worrisome Mm. because like maybe most of people will pass away without realizing that realm of Prakriti, for example. Mm. Mm. Because for in, during the entire lifetime, they've seen the world from the pure identity, uh, that strong identification point of view, right? Mm-hmm. And not being able to see the true sense of reality, mm. and um, the building the strong sense of sense of identity is only going to lead you to uh, having that moment on in your deathbed mm. that not realizing true sense of reality you will just move on without knowing the truth right yeah. that's i mean that's a, i think it's a tra- tragic
0: it's tragic yeah, yeah because people are living their lives from that and they're dying in that reality yeah. you know what i mean like they they are living in that mm. constructed reality and they're dying in that constructed reality and that's why they can't detach from the world they can't uh when when death comes you know what i mean like they're so possessed by the attachment not to what's happening out here in the natural world they're attached to their their Maya. they're like oh, i don't want this tv series to end and it's like all tv series then like you have to get used to it but another tv series will begin
1: <laughs> that's right <laughs> it's uh and also like uh, nowadays that having a strong opinion in political matters itself, they believe it builds their strong identity, right? Yep. It's part of their identity and they want to establish that to establish your own strong identity, mm. right? And, and Whereas none of that really matters in the end. No. That's not real you, real. And people have a so strong belief in that mm. and it's and I, I would like people to be awakened from,
2: from that, yeah, yeah, from that hypnosis. Hypnosis, yeah.
0: Well, what we're speaking about today is, you know, in everything that we speak about is likely the deepest stuff that we can talk about. Because if we look at the world and we look at people in general, if they, if everyone knocked down their own constructed reality, if they allowed the process of Shiva to take place, the deconstruction of the Maya, then we would live in a completely different world we wouldn't live in conflict we would we would finally listen to each other mm-hmm. and we wouldn't have a, we wouldn't have a, an associated identity so we wouldn't associate with certain things like you know that supposedly divide us so that would completely transform the world now is this knowledge going to get out there on wide scale? I doubt it because this knowledge has been around for a long 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 time, longer than most well let's say let's be honest, probably longer than any spiritual tradition, but it still exists today because it's true. You know, if you've went through any sort of spiritual process, meditation or whatever, and, and, you know, sincere deep contemplation, then you'll understand that this is true. And once you start to deconstruct your Maya, you start to come back into that field of Purusha, and you start to actually be free from the fear of death, and then as a result, free from the illusion of separation.
1: And that leads to free of suffering as well. Free of suffering, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because suffering comes from the attachment. Exactly. And maya is full of it.
0: Exactly.
2: Mm.
0: But Buddha would say you suffer because you you think you're this person, right? Mm. You're suffering because you've you've created a person that you think you are and you crave its, exi- its the, the longevity of its existence. But there's just no chance, right? Like it doesn't matter how much you hold on to that existence. Okay, if you're a young person, you're 20, you may still get another 80 years if you're lucky, 80, 90 years of holding on to that. But you will have not, it, it's like, you know, playing a computer game and there's a, and there's a secret cheat code in the computer game, right? To finish the game. But you you don't know the cheat code. Mm. So understanding what we're talking about today is like the cheat code in a computer game. Here's the cheat code, man. Your constructed reality is creating all this suffering, creating the illusion of separation, creating and, and it's all created out of this fear of death because you're you're scared of the inevitability of your own mortality. Yes. And so you haven't accepted yourself as part of property, But once you do, then you begin to liberate yourself from the fear of death and you begin to understand the what Shiva is. And Shiva is that immortal aspect that our imagination didn't create but intuited something about itself right something about reality like because as humans we naturally intuited that is can't there be a reality beyond the senses right and so then you have practices like pratyahara and that like the withdrawal of senses and this mm-hmm. and that and so probably you know crazy spiritual uh, nuts like us back in thousands of years ago were like withdrawing from the world to see if there was another reality that existed and there is mm-hmm. but it, it it only exists in the deconstruction of maya mm-hmm. right so and that's why i'm saying it's, it's the deepest knowledge that there is like if you give this to anybody mm-hmm. and we all started to operate from this perspective imagine imagine what would happen
1: yeah in the world of maya which is a construct constructed reality it only has that Mortal, it's a mortal world, <laughs> yeah. Like it's 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 limited, and nothing is um, everlasting. Nothing. Is it's like a
0: mini series. Yeah, like a limited yeah,
1: It's kind of it's just a continuous uh, series, the mini series, yeah. continuation <laughs> you know, of mini series in your lifetime <laughs> yeah, in, exactly in in that. this uh, in in Prakriti, yeah, of right? So that in in many ancient um, texts saying the path to uh, immortality is mm. that realm of understanding that uh, Shiva, that this deconstructed um, element, mm. the understanding that um, power of Shiva,
0: yeah.
1: that is to get to that immortality, path of immortality. Yes. And again, like in Taoist practice, like martial arts and um, um, Chinese medicine and things like that, say um, to go beyond mortality and uh, yeah go uh, transcend into the realm of uh, immortality but some people take it in a very literal sense right mm, yeah. like and they do some wacky Um, experiment whether you're going to physically die or you don't die and jump in the boiling oil or stuff like that but that's not what I don't believe that's not really what the ancient philosophy really meant it was to be understood as in um, transcendence of your persona and go beyond that realm of Maya and to be able to walk into the realm of immortality Hmm. which is um shiva's world
0: shiva's world yeah Yeah, yeah, rahman that's it like it's well you you hit the nail on the head it's the the, trend the immortality the enlightenment the transcendence is beyond maya right like it's Uh, deconstructing that world it's not like feats of strength like jumping in boiling oil and stuff like that that's for like fakirs you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like that's like the fakir path um and that's all well and good that's that's its own thing right that's to prove that there's cities involved and stuff like that but again if you have cities and of all of these powers that that means that's meaningless uh in in relation to you know what we're talking about so um you have to go beyond that. And, you know, it's like what you were talking about before. Like, you have to, in some sense, like, because the way property is and this and that, you have to come to the conclusion that in some sense, you are meaningless, right? Like Mm -hmm. what we were mentioning Mm -hmm. before. Like, you have to, and meaningless in the sense that you, you are a mortal being. Like, you are going to die. And there has to be a radical acceptance of that. And once there is an acceptance of that, you begin to break down this, Constructed reality um, And then You begin to Then come Like you said Come back into that field Of like Shiva's playground Right Like where it's The Freedom from Suffering Freedom from death Freedom from It's You know Liberation Right It's liberation So Mm -hmm. And that's Where we we all should be headed With our spiritual practice And You know That's why they They mention tapas In in, Especially in South India as well uh, Where You you're in you're in the fire of Shiva, right? Tapas means heat, so you're in the fire of Shiva, where you're engaged in deep spiritual practice and in and meditation and uh, contemplation and, and studying the the great texts, and you're in this fire, and you're burning out all of this constructed reality. Yeah. So that's where actually where Shiva and Vishnu are a little bit different. I think I mentioned a little bit earlier where Vishnu was kind of like, especially if we look at it from the you know a lot of the Vaishnava texts like. Vaishnava text like Bhagavad Gita, you know, basically the Mahabharata, where you have Vishnu's... Uh, wants you to be a householder, right? But to follow your own dharma, to, fo- to follow your path, uh, where Shiva's saying, you know... Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, uh, later in the stories of Shiva, that that through Parvati and that, there's a way of... that somehow you can engage with the world, but you're not touched. It's It's completely... They're different things. Like where Shiva is kind of more renunciate, uh, where Vishnu is more like engage in the world. And
1: like Shiva is a lot, uh, and yeah. Vishnu is strong. So. Yeah,
0: yeah, a little bit like that. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit like that. And um, but the goal is the same, right? Mm-hmm. The goal is the same. So, and actually, the, the methods are this, are similar too. Like you know, like uh, Vairagya and, and these sorts of meditative spiritual practices. And men and mentalities are, are the same, but the orientation is different, right? So Vishnu is kind of a proponent, in some sense, of culture of right of Brahmanda, yeah. where Shiva says Brahmanda itself is a, is an illusion. So Vishnu believes that it's, which makes Vishnu a little bit similar to Confucius here, believes that culture is what's going to. Get rid of our animalistic instincts and tendencies. Mm-hmm. So, our beast like past, mm-hmm. where Shiva thinks that culture and that is a, is a delusion that actually will actually enhance our beast like tendencies. This is very similar to Lao Tzu. Mm-hmm. So, we need to be wary of culture and socialization because they will in, uh, evoke a sort of a sense of Maya. Mm-hmm. Which creates, which intensifies, as we've been talking about in contemporary times, intensifies Mm. the the beast-like, animal-like tendencies in us. Where Shiva's always pointing us towards the humanness in us, pointing us towards the human nature in us, Mm. you know. But Maya is always Maya nurtures the ego, right? Maya is the it nurtures the ego, so it intensifies the animal instincts in you.
1: That's really interesting because yeah because that yeah like you said that um, in a vision' perspective the the culture in humanity is important for everyone to get benefit from and let the uh, this uh, humanity keeps going right yep. so that they're taking role as um, your own dharma in your lifetime but Again, that itself can give you a false idea of who you are as well, yes. in a sense. Well yeah. again, that's where the, where Shiva comes in. Because any t- kind of a, a role or um, I don't know, yeah, a position in your family or society can give you like a, again false idea of an identity of who you are. It, it itself can be a bit of a fantasy. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that's what can happen through culture right that's Mm -hmm. what can happen through socialization Mm -hmm. like what you said and so even though that you know the goal is the same if you look at it from the Vaishnava and the Shaiva perspective you would then have to also some sense lean towards that like you said like the problem with the Vaishnava view can be that Mm. that illusion right that hypnosis that that culture and that is going to be it's going to save you in some sense. And, yeah. and, and rev- when, you know, Shiva being the complete renunciation of like culture and, and the domesticated life, so to speak, uh, it reveals the natural world now.
1: I guess uh, for Shiva's perspe- perspective, uh, the, the Vishnu's idea could be almost like a, the justification of... Um, your role yeah, yeah in the society and culture yeah yeah, that itself is Maya actually yeah, that's yeah, it, yeah. And it's still Maya yeah. right
0: like so if you're looking at it from the Maya perspective Shiva is and that's why Shiva is the deconstructor because it deconstructs that reality again you go into it, it it's a it's deeper place right like um, for example I think if you're a bhakti yogi obviously a lot of bhaktas are, are Vaishnavas right so it's about like, you know, embracing the world, engaging and, and, and loving the world in that way. And there's nothing wrong with that. We can all sympathize with that. And we all do that at times, right? But if you go into the jnana level, if you go into jnana yoga, you go into the deeper, the knowledge of self, then you're getting into that you have to be in the Shiva realm, you have to be in a realm of the deconstruction of, of Maya, the, the deconstructor, right? Because you're, you're ceasing this habit that we have to construct a reality for ourselves because we can even construct the, we can even construct a reality for ourselves as a devotee or a devotional person right i'm a devotional person and this is what i do and this and that that's still all maya in the end Yeah. you know so i mean shiva burns all that out that's why the fire is the symbol, is the symbol of shiva right so
1: yeah, strips everything away strips everything
0: you. away mm-hmm. and i think that One of the ideas in Shaivism is is that Shiva strips everything away to reconstruct the real self, right? So, and that's why what we've been talking about is very important because if we strip all of our, our constructed reality away, then we can reconstruct not just ourselves as a person, but the society in general, right? And then that's what can lead to a more harmonious society, you know? uh, We don't live in a harmonious society just because of what we're talking about today. If people said to me, why don't we live in a harmonious world? That's the reason. You've constructed a reality for yourself. You've superimposed it onto Prakriti, which in and of itself is innocent. Prakriti is just innocent. It's just chilling. It's just nature. It's just chilling. But what happens is you construct a reality in your mind which creates the ego and then you think you can control nature. But you can't control nature. Nature's going to spit you out if you keep trying to do this but Shiva's like don't just leave nature alone let property do her thing Mm. let her chill and then you accept it for what it is and you accept your own plight in your life as a result you know Mm. instead of whinging about it and complaining about the cards that you've been dealt (laughs) you know where if you said that say if Shiva was actually a person if you said that to Shiva she would just be scoffing hard like what you talking about Mm. like what are you whinging about Prakriti is just Prakriti, just does her thing. You've superimposed an idea onto what nature should be doing for you. Again, you're still the center of the, the play. Mm. Your self-image is the center of the play.
1: But in reality, whatever you think is not that important.
0: No, <laughs> no it's not.
1: It's not. It's not. I mean, we can try to impose our own ideas on things as strong as you could but actually none of that really matters in the end
0: doesn't matter hmm. Yeah. again once we realize that we're not even an extra in the play <laughs> then we can humble ourselves right the whole idea yeah. about the process of Shiva is to humble yourself the whole reason you deconstruct Maya is it gives you a tremendous humility yeah. it gives you the ability to see the world as it truly is see the beauty and you start to look through the eyes you start to have the power of darshan and you know you start to see in, into other people's brahmandas and you see that they are also afflicted by the same affliction that every human is mm-hmm. when they come into this world mm-hmm. right so we're all afflicted by the same programming the tripura right we're all we're all programmed into the me mine not mine the framework of of maya of brahmanda so and what we spoke about today is about just peering through that that illusion that's the illusion right like that's what we need to yeah. reiterate the, the illusion is not that this prakriti is an illusion nature is nature it's just doing this thing the illusion exists in here in our in our head
1: yeah um swami sava priyananda said something really nice i thought that uh in advaita vedanta the source is to be found in the subject not the object, yeah, not the object yeah. it's it's very simple statement but i think it contains everything like the source where we keep looking out we're projecting out to find something right we chasing the pleasure pleasures and um i don't know chasing prosperity and this and that but you we would never find the source of freedom from the object we have to go back Inside, yeah. Yeah, which is again, process of deconstructing,
0: knock down the house that we've built.
1: Well, that's it.
0: <laughs> so you start from the foundation, <clears throat> start knocking that found foundation down. <clears throat> like you said, like you you're not looking object. You're not looking at the object to define your life. Yep. You you're, <clears throat> you're looking at that subject, and I think that that's pretty much a good place to to end it there, isn't it? <laughs> like with what yeah. you said, so yeah. and. That's the role we all have, is that deconstruction. And so, man, this is so much we can talk about on this subject. It's uh, the, one of the most important topics in Eastern spirituality, I think.
1: I think so. The
0: deconstruction of Maya and the understanding that, that of that Shiva process. It doesn't matter what tradition you come from, either Buddhism, Taoism, or even if you're in the Abrahamic faith. If you, if you understand this, then you understand a lot about yourself, right? Yeah,
1: definitely. Definitely. I mean, again, if you were to understand what's not, mm. and you will automatically know what is. Yeah, exactly. Right? exactly. That's the importance of understanding Maya in proper sense, mm. I believe. Neti,
0: neti. Yeah, exactly. Not neti this, meti. not this. Yep. You're not any of this Maya. Mm. And that's what reveals what what is true, right? Yes. And say so we're all Shiva, we're all Brahman, Dal, whatever you want to call it. And so... I think we'll wrap her up there. So guys, hope you enjoyed that one. Remember, make sure you give us a like, subscribe, drop a comment below. Make sure you sh- share this content with your friends. All of that helps the channel. Uh, make sure you check the links in the descriptions for any of my books. Also, my new merchandise is out. So anything that, any contribution you make to our, my channel and our podcast, it helps everything, right? It helps everything, the future of this channel. So I hope you guys can do that. And hope you're having a great day and we'll see you guys next week.